The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Stop tweaking your longhorn and listen up. It's time for another stellar edition of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Rory Blight. This is Karen Cavallaro here to announce show number 61 with guests Vic Gandatra, Steve Cellini, Len Pryor, and other members of the Microsoft Longhorn Evangelism team. Recorded live Friday, April 23rd, 2004. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter, and now offering hands-on VB.NET and ASP.NET classes remotely, online at www.franklins.net, and by Data Dynamics, makers of ActiveReports.net, simple, powerful, and cost-effective reporting for Windows Forms and ASP.NET web applications, online at www.datadynamics.com. Support is also provided by Code Magazine, Microsoft Technologies in-depth for IT managers and developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com. And now, the man who's sick and tired of making up these dumb jokes week after week, Carl Franklin. <laughs> Thanks, Karen. Karen Caballero, everybody. How you doing? It's been a nice week in Lake Wobegon, my hometown out there on the prairie. No, that's another show. But it has been a nice week, and uh, this is Carl, and you're listening to .NET Rocks. Uh, with me in the studio today in New London, Connecticut, is none other than the a little bit under the weather, but still groovy, Rory Blythe. Yeah, a little bit under the weather, possibly Lyme diseased. After all How- my joking and talking about it, I think it's really <laughs> incredible that of all the people, it's me. Cause How I'd, ironic is that, man? Yeah. It's, well, it's more like Alanis Morissette ironic, though, where it just sucks. Yeah, but, uh, that she didn't really understand the word, <laughs> right. apparently. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, really, I really didn't expect it. I joked about it. I teased people about it. I talked about it, but I didn't actually... Because you were, actually... like, freaked out about ticks. As soon as you got here, somebody told you, oh, watch out for the ticks. They carry Lyme disease, and you're like, where, 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 where? Yeah, that would have been Brian Jepson, my buddy who initially <laughs> planted the seed of fear in my head. And then, of course, Jeff the Sound Man. Right. Um didn't really help out too much. And then, of course, I get this flu-like symptom disease thing here after having some sort of a very itchy rash on my rightmost buttock. Yikes. And, uh, I didn't need to know that. <laughs> and all these things put together kind of equal Lyme disease. So I'm being treated for that right now. And they're saying that provided I take the antibiotics as they have been prescribed, it will completely do away with the Lyme disease and I will not suffer any of the further complications that often accompany oh, that's untreated Lyme. Yeah, oh, it's very good to know that my brain is not going to be eaten alive by these little spiegelschett bacteria. That ah, are very there. nice, very nice. I like the little medical spin we have this week, Rory. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and many people don't know, but Lyme disease is all over the world, but it started like right next door here in Lyme, Connecticut, which is 
not far from here. It's it's, it's true. Yeah, uh, uh, Dublin has Guinness, and uh, New London has <laughs> Lyme disease. So everybody has their export. You know, great, great. <laughs> but yeah. you know, so it's probably not Lyme disease. It's though. probably not. But anytime somebody comes into the clinic with this set of symptoms at this time of year in this part of the country, they choose caution. Right. You know, and I mean, what did it cost me? Like 15 bucks for the right. antibiotics. Right. You know, they're like, do you really want to go along with this? And I'm thinking, well, let's see, do I want to spend <laughs> the 15 bucks now or basically go crazy and, you know, develop psychotic symptoms yeah. later on with arthritis? I think I'll spend the 15 around. bucks. Yeah. Don't mess around. So. So Roy, I just wanted to uh, say uh, something to you before we get started here. I'd like you to say it to me. Yeah. And the, the, uh, the thing that I'm going to say is system.windows.forms. Thank you for saying that to me. Okay. And uh, nobody knows what we're talking about, but that's okay. You don't have to know. As is our custom on the show, we give away something every week. And uh, this week, we're giving away something... Syphilis. Very nice. And it's sort of what everybody's been waiting for for these last couple of weeks. Ooh, excuse me. Pardon me. That was my microphone. And it's something that people have been waiting for uh, these last couple of weeks that we've uh, talked about for two weeks now. Uh, it's a ticket to tech ed. Nice. You lucky, lucky bastard. You lucky, lucky bastard. And, and we are actually not giving it away. Franklin's Net isn't buying it. Microsoft is giving it away through .NET Rocks as a sort of a thank you to our listeners for, for supporting us and supporting .NET and being such enthusiastic developers. And that's sort of what we're all about. So uh, some lucky winner today who is listening live is going to win a ticket to Tech Ed. Which is awesome. That's a nice prize. So. Yeah. And if you're if you're not listening live, you will have no way to know that uh, this is happening. If you're listening to a downloaded version of this, sorry, contest is over. Don't email us, etc. Yeah. And Rich Pendleton says, tell him to be careful where he puts his buttock. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all been taken care of. Rash cleared up. Rash treating cleared. the disease. Okay. Everything's good. So uh, my week was pretty interesting, actually. I've spent, I just got, literally just got back a half an hour off the plane from uh, Orlando, where we did last week's show. I did, I did last week's show from Orlando, from my hotel room. You guys were here. And we sort of, it was like the old days when we had Mark Dunn in Atlanta and we would like FTP the MP3 files down and stitch them all together and make it sound like we're all in the same room. Kind of, it was fun. But I thought it was a good show with Keith, please, and Harry Pearson. Mm Mm-hmm. I got a lot of pos- we got a lot of positive feedback about it. Yeah, and uh, I'm really, really, really looking forward to today too. Um, but now is the time in our show when we read the mail, and we actually have way more mail than we can possibly read, and still have a two hour show. But I, I did want to uh, uh, read a couple of these because they were pretty great. So I, my trip started out as a couple of Inetta road shows at uh, user groups, one in Huntsville, Alabama and another one in uh, Evansville, Indiana. And in Indiana, I met a guy named Bart uh, who says, and uh, Bart Robinson, who's a very enthusiastic developer, and he says, Hey, Carl, just wanted to say thanks for coming to Evansville and giving us a presentation. Uh, We loved having you. One interesting note about your presentation, which was, by the way, on objects in VB.net, and I was showing sort of, uh, you know, reference types versus value types and metaphors and, and then just solid understanding of the fundamentals. And he said, when it was over, I was talking with one of our members who just happens to be a former Java programmer that has since switched to C Sharp. He was, quote, freaking out 
end quote, after seeing your demos. He couldn't believe the blue squiggles and various other sweet features that VBNet has to offer. He comes to me and says, hey, man, I had no idea the VB was so sweet. Why didn't you tell me about all of its great features? Tomorrow I'm going to give it a try. So being a fellow VB programmer, I thought that you would enjoy this little story. Uh, thanks for everything you do for the community and keep on .NET rockings. And, of course, you know, uh, we like all languages here, but I happen to be a VB programmer, and it's kind of nice when, you know, it just goes to show you that it takes all kinds of programmers to make the world go around. And he says, Ann, tell Rory to keep up the good work. He's a talented guy, and I think that most people enjoy what he brings to the show. Thanks, Bart Robinson. Well, Bart, you get a uh, official piece of .NET Rocks useless crap, namely a coffee mug. And I know that you're going to just drink beer out of it anyway, so. <laughs> uh, speaking of big cups, I got another one from uh, Andrew Davey in Warwick University who won a, a mug. He just dropped a line that says, I've just returned to university after the Easter break. I just picked up my coffee mug that I want on the show. Man, that's one big mug. <laughs> so now I'm fully tanked up on caffeine and getting maximum enjoyment from the excessive bubble wrap provided with the mug. <laughs> <laughs> now my next challenge is to win me a copy of Windows Server 2003. I think people are catching on that, you know, you send email, you suck, you suck up a little bit to Carl and Rory. And you win something. And you win something. I think they're catching on. Uh... Had another one here. I'm going to just leave out the really long ones here. And we'll we edit. had a lot of good mail this time. Yeah. A lot of the stuff you forwarded me was really entertaining. Kind of made me mad because they're going to make better radio than what we're going to be talking about. Absolutely. You know, the way that we talk, they were just too witty, too good, some of them. So made us look bad. But yep. some all of the same. Are, some of these are really, really great. Oh, oh, here we go. Okay, this is a great one. You remember uh, the Google Weirdos where you talked about... Uh, somebody came to your website by talking about cow testicles or something? Yes, yes, I do remember that. Yeah, it was a couple, it was a strange one. I mean, that was pretty weird. But anyway, this is a guy, Roy Forkner, who's from Texas, who wanted to set the record straight. He says, Carl, I was listening to the April 12th, 2004 rocks and heard Rory talking about cow testicles. I wanted to update him that cows are female and don't have testicles. Only bulls have testicles. If a bull is cast... Now, he's from Texas, right? <laughs> right. If a bull is castrated, he becomes a steer. The saying is, get his mind off... No, I'm not going to say that, actually, Roy. Roy. Um, that's one of those colorful colloquialisms that's dirtier than just the scientific name for, you know, testicles. Tell him that uh, calf fries, bull calves are generally marked at early age, are very tasty. And I'm not even going to ask what those are. Anyway, he just wanted to set the record straight, and I said, Hey, Roy, we actually know that, but sometimes in order to be funny, you have to bend the rules a little. Uh, and he said, uh, Hey, Carl, if I'm not mistaken, I was the only Texan VB programmer at your class such and such a time, and I'm programming with .NET, and your class was extremely helpful. I'll keep the calf fries fresh just in case. Roy, <laughs> no thanks. Okay, no thanks, pal. Maybe, maybe calf fries are like uh, little balls of eel. <laughs> Can I say that? <laughs> oh man. I, I thought it was great though that he took the time to write in and and say that. You know, a good little tongue in cheek email there. Right. I thought that was good stuff. Yeah. And and just for the record, just so everybody knows, I found that search. I'm just the messenger. Although that said, I still would have talked <laughs> about cow testicles and not really realized the technical problem therein. <laughs> 
Another one, uh, Dave Schwinn. This is this is a great one. This will be the last one. Dave Schwinn says, Carl and Rory, love the show. Having listened to every episode to date in my car while driving to customer sites, I must say that the last two shows, Bob Russellman and Keith Please Harry Pearson, without a doubt, have been my favorites. Sweet. Yeah, nice. I actually listened to them twice. Wow. Here's a dedicated fan. You need a 12-step for this guy. But Yeah. <laughs> I also purchased Bob Russellman's book and really enjoyed that as well. I'm a networking consultant in Cincinnati, but I've dabbled in programming all my life. I started using VBNet when it was in beta, and I'm simply blown away by the power and ease of development. I use every opportunity I can to insert .NET solutions into my daily chores. I'd like to share a success story. Using less than 50 lines of code, I have written an assembly in VBNet to merge Windows 2000's SMTP service with the open-source spam filtering product Spam Assassin. Hmm. I use the SMTP services event sync to invoke my assembly, which in turn invokes Spam Assassin, a Perl script. Using this technique, uh, I am able to successfully tag 90 to 95% of the spam coming into my company's and my customers' email domains while achieving an extremely low false positive count. I scan tens of thousands of email a day. The system has been in production since July and has never failed. I'm adding new features all the time, and VBNet makes it a breeze. How cool is that, man? That's awesome. I'd actually like to see the code. I would. I actually emailed him back. I said, hey, is this something you're going to give away or sell? And He's the vert- tease us with Yeah, it. the verdict's still out on that. He's going to hmm. let us know. You can at least give it to us. I mean, just <laughs> let us look. Curiosity. Oh, boy. Okay, so uh, do we have Google Weirdos we this week? We do have Google Weirdos this week. All right, here we go. So now is the time in our show when we like to do a little section we call the Google Weirdos, ladies and gentlemen. Right. So for the uninitiated, for those who don't know, for the people in the dark who have been listening to the show in recent times, um, Google Weirdos is the little segment that I do where I comb the referral logs for my site, neapolian.com, and I look to see what search queries people use to either intentionally or completely and totally usually actually accidentally land on my site. (laughs) And what I have found is that there are some absolutely bizarre people out there looking for some really weird stuff. I can't even use half the searches on the show because they're too dirty or messed up or just completely crazy. But I I do pick out the cleaner ones, and I like to read them off, add a little bit of commentary, have a little bit of fun. But before I read those off, the people who do know Google Weirdos pretty well have learned that they can communicate with me through Google using it as a cheap one-way email system. So I get these little shout-outs from people, these little messages from people through Google Weirdos, and I like to read those first. So here we go. The first one is... Rory, don't skip Google Weirdos this week. Well, your wish is granted, my friend. <laughs> I'm not skipping it. Yeah, last week was a little too serious. Now we have to sort of... Well, last week, I, I was a little bummed. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was a little down, but I'm feeling much better now. Your, your skin is thickening, though, I can tell. Well, it's also, it's also Tanner. I mean, Orlando did wonders for me. Yeah. Coming, I mean, it was nice to have that little break in semi-tropical yeah. niceness. So moving along, we've got Rory Blythe looks like a bird... Now, one thing I love about knowing that uh, my site and the show go out to a pretty you know, decent quantity of people is that there's always somebody out there who's willing to help boost my self-esteem. 
So thank you very much. What I'd like to say is you have no idea, my friend. I had an MRI last year, and I got to see the skeletal structure of my head and some of the cartilage. I think it was cartilage. And if you look at my skull from the top down, it looks like a predatory bird of some type. Like it has this huge beak where the nose would be. It's hard to explain, but it's incredible. I tried to scan it, but it didn't work. So you are right, actually. You're descended from a long line of birds. Yeah, something. Moving along, we've got... I heard about Rory Blythe's website on the .NET Rocks show and thought it was pretty cool. I really like the stuff on the Pocket PC stuff, but since I'm a poor, starving college student, I can't afford one. Thanks, Rory. Josh L. at Kakamar.com. So that's a pretty long one. I, I like those because people have gotten pretty clever at figuring out how to get these long search phrases to me. Next one is, Rory Blythe, I shall shut down your site. <laughs> Bring it on, my friend. <laughs> Bring it on. You don't want to say that. Last time somebody said that, all sorts of bad things happened. That's that's probably true. I mean, it's asking for trouble. But uh, yeah, not and you don't cool. even control the, the site. So yeah, there's not a lot I can do about it. It'd be nice if this person emailed me and mentioned why they want to shut down the <laughs> or site. How, but whatever. how they're going to do it. Next one is Rory MVP. <laughs> not going to find a lot there because I'm not one. Yeah. Yeah. Not Ouch. that we need to reopen that wound. Um, <laughs> hey, Rory Blythe, why don't you use Linux and Mono? Okay, well, I've used Rotor with OS X. It's not quite the same thing, but it's still something kind of .NET-y with something Nixy. But the main reason that I don't do it is that I don't want to. Next, Next. is... Is Carl is Rory Blythe Carl Franklin's gay lover? <laughs> All right, so so these have to stop coming in. I get a lot of these, and I just want everybody to be absolutely clear. We broke up last month, okay? It's over. All right. Finally, when can I watch Rory Blythe dance naked? Well, he's, how much? How, he's how much? the same guy who asked the last question, apparently. <laughs> well, how much money you got? That that's what I have to say. All right, I'll travel anywhere within the continental United States. Or really outside of it, provided the price is high enough. So those are the shout-outs. And now we move on to the actual weirdos. These are the people who most likely did not mean to get to my site. They just had to search Google for their weird, nasty stuff. So the first one is Tidy Whitey's blog. I mean, that's just gross. Mm. I don't, I don't, I, I've never even liked that phrase. And why would I want to immerse myself in it to the point that I would be subscribing to some daily feed of information just about Tidy Whitey's? I think that's a little what bit gross. What is Tidy Whitey? I don't even know. It's 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 briefs you know the white normal like Hanes briefs okay. on guys which are very functional but some of the less appealing bits of garb oh, that okay. a guy can wear yeah oh, they don't right. really make you feel very how did you know that well, i mean it's just i thought it was common <laughs> knowledge but <laughs> perhaps not <laughs> okay so next one is less anal leakage oh come on oh <laughs> what you want more is that what you're saying? I want an. I want no. I was thinking I'd like none. That's I'd just like, I'd wrong, like to just move man. on to none. You, no anal leakage. No wrong. more. We we got to draw the line. Just no more. So people stop doing that. God, what this are next, they looking for? I I honestly don't know. I really maybe maybe they've been eating Olestra chips or something. I I don't know. Ugh. So uh, this one here is not very PC. All right, it doesn't have a bad word in it, but it's not PC. You might want to plug your ears or something. But it, it's phrased in an interesting way. It's and and I can't believe somebody's searching for this. I'm serious. The retard ate the video. Ew. The re- uh. <laughs> ate the video. It's like some guy who's hanging out with his, you know, drugged out buddy who, you know, went it's on like, ahead. Uh, and- what's his name there in the in the something about Mary? You know. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Eating the video. Yeah. No. 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 There's something about the phrasing there, and why is this person looking for it? Yeah. That, that that's the way half of Google weirdos is, though. You just don't expect it. Yeah. It's just there. It is. You know, right in the log. 
So here's one. Every time I see you walking by, I get a thrill, and you don't notice me, but in time you will. I must make you understand. <laughs> what the hell is that? You know, I, I didn't actually realize you were so serious. I'll try to pay more attention to you in the future. That's not actually not a lyric from a Tom Jones I, song I or something? I think it might be a lyric from something, but it's definitely nothing I've got on my side. I don't know how that got there. You got VB6 code, migrate AS400 database SQL. And all I, just, I just wanted to say that I'm very glad that I'm not the one who's working on that project because that doesn't sound pleasant. Moving on, we've got, is there a proper way to wash hands? And it, yes, as a matter of fact, and until they're clean is really my advice. <laughs> Rory's advice is as often as possible. As often as possible for at least a minute and a half using hot water and soap and turning off the sink using a paper towel and exiting using a paper towel. I was surprised that you let somebody shake your hand at uh, Dev Connections They catch me off guard. I don't, I don't yeah. mean to let it happen, but if someone sticks their hand out and I'm not really thinking, yeah. then I'll, I'll reach out and when the hand touches, I go, oh man, what have I done? But now you're contaminated and you might as well just get it all dirty because you're sure. going to go to the bathroom in the next yeah. two minutes and wash. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> you just try to avoid it, but they did get me there. Moving on, we've got Tom Jones disease. I don't know what that is, yeah, that's but what I, you I've have, got it. My yeah, friend. I guess it is. I guess something I've got. Next is grandmother triple clean eyelids. I, I don't know what that is. You know, twice cleaned is good enough for a lot of people. I don't, I, I don't even really know what eyelid cleaning is anyway. And lastly, the last Google weirdo of the week is... Urine smell in bathroom. All right, you know and, what? And, and, and gonna, all, all, all I can say is that it, it sure beats urine smell on the couch. We're gonna you know? have to uh, we're gonna have to disinfect the Google weirdos here. This is just you know disturbing trend that's happening. <laughs> well, that's that's what people are putting in there. That's what they're looking for. Yeah. You know? So very strange. Yep. So that is Google weirdos for the week. And there you have it. Well, uh, so so much for the silliness part of the show. Now let's get down to it. We actually have some really interesting stuff to talk about today because our guests are none other than Vic Gondatra and Steve Cellini from Microsoft. And they are... Uh, in the realm of Longhorn evangelism. So we're going to be talking about Longhorn. We're going to be talking a little bit about the stuff that they do. Uh, let me introduce them. Vic is a general manager of the .NET Platform Strategy and Partner Group. He is responsible for broad-based evangelism and industry adoption of Microsoft platforms and technologies. He has held several positions over his 13-year career at Microsoft, including Director of Marketing and Director of the Microsoft Developer Network. Wow. Very cool. Steve Cellini is a senior director at the, in the Longhorn Client Evangelism Team in the .NET Platform Strategy and Partner Group, responsible for Longhorn Client Evangelism and industry adoption. He has held several positions over his six-year career at Microsoft, including Group Program Manager and Group Manager in various Microsoft products and services teams. Welcome, guys. Hey. Hello, Rory. Hello, Hey, Paul. how's it going? Hi Good there. Hi, guys. Thanks for going through our super long titles, too. We appreciate that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, uh, you, you, I hope you know why we have such long titles. Why? Oh, it's because uh, then we tell our bosses, hey, it's not our job. That, you know, <laughs> like, read your damn title. <laughs> it's not in the bio. everything. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'd like to personally thank you guys for bringing a little class to our otherwise uh, silly and monotonous show. Oh, you haven't heard us yet, so. <laughs> 
<laughs> Although, Carl, Rory, I have to tell you, it's it's it, this might be the highlight of my career. I'm not sure I've ever, you know, I've done lots of press interviews before, lots of shows, but I don't think I've ever done a show before where we worked in itchy buttocks and, and cow testicles. <laughs> Although the cow testicles thing, Steve and I were, were wondering if that was some sort of foreshadowing for our longhorn discussion. Oh, uh, <laughs> dum dum. Actually, we do get that question quite a bit. Yeah. I'm glad we cleared that up. And Longhorn, I suppose uh, we should just say, is the name of a bar somewhere up in the Northwest, right? Yes, in uh, Whistler, BC. Right. And as we sort of have more and more products, we're getting, what, closer to that bar? Is that it? Or is is that the final destination? You know, I think a bunch of folks were drinking when we came up with that. It's kind of of ambiguous as to what we were thinking. Yeah. But we are running out of place names up here. So we're probably going to have to move to other locations. Uh, cool. Well, uh, I personally want to tell you, I think you're doing a great job of uh, getting information out about Longhorn. Obviously, the PDC was our first experience of, of it, you know, in a big way. And uh, what, do, what do you guys do when you wake up in the morning, you go to work? Let's start with you, Vic. I mean, what what's a typical day like for for a guy with a title that I don't even want to repeat? That we don't have time to repeat. Right? <laughs> I wake up in the morning trying to achieve my life's mission, which is uh, my dream is to actually shake Rory's hand. (laughs) Uh, It'll never happen, man. Yeah, I I know. Let me get in the bubble and then we can shake, okay? (laughs) Uh, On a more serious note, what we do is, uh, I think you you read one of your your readers, uh, your, your letters from Bart. Yeah, Bart. Talking about VB, he says, you know, I didn't know VB was so sweet. Why didn't you guys tell me? Right. That's kind of our job. You know, I wake up in the morning, you know, thinking about the Microsoft platform and the innovation that we're doing. And in the world we live in, where things are so complex and people have to listen and absorb so much information, mm. sometimes the things that we're doing that are, that are just so sweet don't get out there. I hear you. And so, so my job is to kind of distill down the messages, make things clear, simple, memorable, get the important stuff out to the developer community so that uh, people are excited about our platform. Hmm. Vic, will you, you know, I, I report to you, so I'd love to learn as much as possible about what you do. Um, did, were you born being able to do that? Or is this something <laughs> that you learned or, or what? You know, I, 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 that's a tough question. You know, it, I think all anybody who does programming and loves their job has a natural tendency to want to tell others about it. Um, and so I bet, I bet there's a lot of listeners, too, who are, who are natural evangelists, although they don't have that in their title. Right. But yeah. So I just get paid to do this. So this is pretty cool. Right. And uh, what obviously that you're not actually going out and personally getting on weblogs and sending out emails and stuff. So what are the sort of the high level groups that you manage that that do the evangelism? I know the regional directors are which I'm a part of and the MVPs and all this other stuff. But what are some of the. You know, from from your viewpoint, from the top of the hierarchy, what are some of the, the, you know, your channels? Wow. Well, you know, we're a pretty big company, sometimes too big, I think. But we have just an enormous number of efforts that are going on to reach out to the community. Things like regional directors. We've got new exciting efforts like Channel 9, which I know you guys are going to talk about, which is fantastic. We have things like the PDC. We have one-to-one on engagements. You know, we go out and we actually visit customers, uh, partners. We talk to them. I mean, it's just endless. And as you mentioned, you know, the vast majority of evangelists on my team are out there writing blogs and, and communicating via news groups. Um, right. And, and so I could go on and on and on about the channel. Basically, there's no channel that we won't try to reach. Right. Hmm. The word evangelism sort of has a sort of car salesman thing to it, you know, that, but 
it's sort of obvious in talking to you guys for just a minute that it's really not about hyping as much as it is about bringing information to developers. And because the developer crowd, I mean, you know what the demographic is like, very sensitive to hype, you know, and they want to know what it is, how it works, and how to do what they want to do with it. And I see a lot of, you know, what we do in the regional directors and and dev days, and even on the show, you know, as sort of answering those questions. And uh, because that's how you get developers excited. You tell them about the technology, about what's coming up and what they can do with it and what they can't and what, you know, how it's going to solve their problems. We think that uh, the best evangelists are evangelists who used to be developers or still are developers. Absolutely. Uh, On my team, uh, you know, I've got my evangelists when they're not out there uh, evangelizing, they're writing code. They're using writing code using the latest Longhorn builds. That's how they find out about stuff. And that's how they talk with authority and are able to make the connection to those, you know, somewhat cynical developers who have seen it all. Absolutely. I was just thinking the other day about how irritating it is. Like when you start working at a company and say somebody in HR comes along and tries to talk to you in a technical fashion, even though they don't have any idea what they're talking about. It's sort of like when, you know, somebody tries, when an adult tries to talk hip to a 12 year old and it just doesn't work. So definitely making sure that your people are developers, that, that would go a long way. That's what I'd listen to. Sometimes I go with, go to HR and talk HR with them. (laughs) (laughs) Resources, right? Yeah, It's all the same, right? Yeah. Yeah. I remember working in a, in a startup company where the, there was a lot of money involved and we didn't really have a product shipped and we had a big staff and, after a while, the CEO comes downstairs and he looks around at the developers. He says, you know what, this, this is where it's all happening. You know, these, these are the guys that are going to make this company profitable and, and, and make it work. And that's what Bob Russellman was saying. You know, developers are really powerful people. Yeah, and, and you know, at Microsoft, we, we just don't say that. We, we know it. Yeah. I mean, we, everyone sometimes seems to forget that at our core, we're just a platforms company. And a platforms company means you're totally dependent on developers building solutions above your stuff. And so you're right that evangelism can sometimes have a negative connotation. But, you know, at Microsoft, we kind of view the idea of evangelizing our platform, getting the messages out there about what the platform's capable of as being core to our business. Adoption of our platform, that's, that's Microsoft's, that's where our strength comes from. And any failure on our part there, of course, affects all the rest of our businesses. So, so we're pretty serious about it. And we just happen to do evangelism in a very kind of, we hope, a thoughtful and organized way. And I think the PDC that you guys attended was kind of an example of that. So, so what about the academic side of things? I mean, that's one place where I think that evangelism is probably extremely important. You know, get them young, especially in a place where it seems that Sun and Java are some, you know, a big player, really. Do you, do you have anything to do with that? Do you get in there? Or is that like a totally separate? Um, it's, it's related. It's actually a separate organization, but very closely related. And you're right that it's very important. And we're uh, at Microsoft trying to increase our focus in that area. I'm not sure we've done a fantastic job to date. Mm-hmm. I think there's lots of room for improvement. Um, and part of that was our approach. You know, you, sometimes you can do evangelism. And if you do it wrong, it comes across as hype or, right. dis- or, yeah. or, or disingenuous. Mm-hmm. And then it's time to come back and kind of reevaluate your approach. And I think we're in the midst of doing that. But we completely agree with you about the importance of reaching, you know, that young audience. Mm-hmm. I, my team runs the PDC, and at the last PDC, we tried to do something special on the academic side, and we only did a just an okay job. We, mm-hmm. we really want to do a better job there. Is it, you know, one of the reasons Apple was successful in reaching in schools was the fact that they gave them free Macs. And Sun, you know, sort of does this with colleges. They give them free boxes 
You guys don't have hardware to give. Well, is that I don't part think of the we, 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 we could try giving away free Macs, but it might be. Really <laughs> oh, God. I like this guy. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, I'm desperately trying to make this better radio than the letters. It's a tough challenge. <laughs> hey, it's just Steve and I are still writing notes here back and forth, trying to figure out how we can work anal leakage into oh, our. God. <laughs> oh, God. No, please don't, please. <laughs> We have a team of twenty working on it right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Channel Nine is a is a the latest thing that you guys have done, and it's a really talk about. I mean, you go from you go from white papers, right, which are sort of impersonal, to blogs, which are a little more personal, but you know, still not as cool. And and now you're like walking around with video cameras inside Microsoft and sitting down with these guys who are who are developing stuff and who are doing things. And that's just freaking awesome. And I don't want to spend too much time talking about Channel 9 now because we have an actual uh, interview um, that we did, a spot that we did. We're going to play over the break. But, but I, you know, that's just another example as of evangelism going away from sort of mass market hype and getting really down to essentially what amounts to one-on-one sort of uh, interaction with, with your, your core talent there. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you our philosophy behind some of the so some of our uh, motivations behind our investments and things like Channel Nine and some of the other areas that we're investing in. Um, it turns out that while there's a group of folks that are very enthusiastic about the Microsoft platform and doing great things, and we love them and we want to keep supporting them, as you all know, there's also a contingent of people who find Microsoft very distasteful. Right, right. And the evil empire. Stuff. The evil empire, and and they're almost they're almost uh, you know missionary like in their zeal to to mm-hmm. highlight uh our errors we've used that word before on the show so. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so you know when we thought about the problem you know we, we i went out and actually talked to some people who basically admitted look we hate microsoft i know i went out and talked to a bunch of folks and and what i found was that to a large extent some of their concerns about microsoft were driven by uh just misinformation you know in fact you asked them hey do you actually know anyone at microsoft and it turns out that they just never had a connection with Microsoft. And, and we found that we softened a lot of this uh, negative emotion by just talking and, and starting the conversation with a lot of these folks. And we found out that we, I know this sounds kind of obvious probably to you and your listeners, but ambiguity, lack of understanding of what Microsoft's intentions were, lack of clarity about the platform, that the lack of clarity and the ambiguity led to fear. And one of the best ways we found to just deal with the fear was to be more transparent. And, you know, the PDC, we talked about Longhorn well in advance of it being shipped. To a large extent, that was driven by our desire to be more transparent, to be more open with the developer community, which is feedback we've heard consistently. And so things like Channel 9 are just part of that, being more transparent, being more open. It turns out that once people get to talk to you, they generally don't think you're the monster that they might have thought you were before they got to meet you and your kids. And so uh, part of this is just opening up to developers and letting developers get to know us a, a little closer. And, and we're hoping this, that'll help improve the situation. So, so at the PDC, though, there's a lot of sort of preaching to the choir where we're all nodding our heads and we're agreeing and we're saying, yeah, that stuff sounds really good. There will be a few people there, of course, who aren't exactly like that. Um, but how do you deal with the other side? I mean, do you send people out to infiltrate Linux user groups or something? I mean, how do you get the message out to the other side of the crowd? How do you even get them to pay attention to listen? Because some of them are really vehemently opposed and don't even want to give you any time just to listen. Well, you know, it's, it's an incredibly tough challenge, mm-hmm. and there's no easy answer here. You know, if you think about a, a literal congregation, you do have to kind of preach the congregation, you got to keep the strength of the congregation going, but also mm-hmm. you do 
evangelism outside the congregation. Right. And so uh, you're right, the PDC to some extent is about shoring up the congregation. And, and you're right that uh, that tends to be uh, something that's important and, and relatively easy to do. Mm-hmm. You highlighted the harder challenge. How do you go out to those folks that really aren't interested in your message at all? And we're still learning how to do that. If you or your listeners have ideas, let us know. You know, we'd continue trying to win over people one by one. And then the other thing is, is to understand what are the dynamics that made people turn off to your message earlier and see if you understand those dynamics, those behaviors, and stop those behaviors. And so I think, you know, you've seen, particularly with Steve Ballmer, uh, he, he's instituted some pretty uh, significant changes within inside the company, those changes being uh, about making us, myself, other Microsoft employees, a little bit more sensitive about how right. our actions are perceived in the marketplace. Yeah. You know, hey, we've made mistakes. We'll be the first to admit that. And then the trick is to learn from those mistakes and then try not to repeat those things. Yeah. We, and we think, oh, and, and, and we think that thing takes time. You know, you, when you change behavior, it takes a while before uh, folks really recognize that it's real. And, and we're kind of working through that process right now. Getting back to the zealotry, we've both encountered, Rory and I have both encountered people who have uh, been full of, you know, full of spite and everything and not wanting to look at stuff. And a little communication with a level head did the trick, you know, like you said, it's that fear. Um, and, and, you know, they're now more willing to, you know, a lot of these guys out, out there in the open source community who are looking at Windows are looking at Windows 95. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, it's not rational. It's, it's driven by fear, ambiguity. Right. And and it's not to today's technology either. You know, Windows crashes, Windows crashes. Yeah, well, it's Windows 95. It was the first. Yeah. It was version one. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, bit. I, we, we kind of hope people don't judge us by what we did eight, nine, ten years. Yeah, ago. exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I brought him up to I brought a guy up to my uh, my server room and, and he said, you see that machine right there, that Windows 2000 machine? It's been running for two years and I haven't rebooted it. You know, oh, hmm, I should take a look at that. So um, the other thing, the other thing is that uh, what is the other thing, Rory? I was going to talk about something. Well, I actually have a question. If okay, sure. Because um, I'm not sure what you were going to ask, but uh, one thing I was thinking is is when you're coming up with ways of reaching people. You know, you were talking about Steve Ballmer changing the image inside of the company and saying, okay, maybe we do have a few weaknesses. Maybe we have made some mistakes. Do you ever come up with an idea? that really opens up Microsoft and really shows some of its soft spots, maybe an Achilles heel, but you can't actually go public with it where you can't actually use your idea because you have shareholders and you have people paying attention and they might think that it's the company admitting weakness to too great an extent where it would appeal to the people who want Microsoft to, to, to admit that it's not this big, perfect machine. Do you, do you ever have problems with something like that? No, we, we've done, we've, for the PDC, we did tons of brainstorming. And mm-hmm. some of the ideas were pretty outlandish. Um, and some of the ideas were sort of, you know, middle of the road. It might work under the right situation. And frankly, you know, Microsoft is a pretty big company. Right. And a lot of what we do, you know, like any other company, we, we do have to get legal buy-off. And uh-huh. some of these ideas, you know, sometimes the lawyers aren't quite ready to take that step. Yeah. Um, you know, we had some ideas about, you know, awarding someone at the PDC uh, you know, a week in Redmond where they, we'd walk them around and they'd be in meetings. and Sweet. That's, that's, that's cool. cool. And, and, you know, it sounded good to us. <laughs> uh, when, he, when we ran it by the lawyers, it was sort of silence and, mm. you know, looking up at the ceiling. And then, it, you know, it, it's, one, it's kind of the way I'm reacting right now. And then one of them spoke <laughs> up and said, uh, have you guys really thought about this? And, and uh, so that, that's an idea that uh, yeah, I just remembered off the top of my head that we came up with. 
you know, Channel 9 is, is a bit of an experiment. Right. And you can imagine ways where, you know, that, that could go in directions where, you know, maybe the, the large corporate, you know, intelligence wouldn't, couldn't fathom really why would we want to do that. Hmm. Um, sure, we have tons of ideas. Um, at the last PDC, we, and there were a lot of ideas that you saw and a lot of ideas that weren't so obvious right. that we put into play. Do you guys you guys ever get any feedback from uh, you, you must get a lot of feedback. Do you do you look at feedback you get at say conferences like the PDC on the evaluations and dev days? Absolutely. We read I, I read I personally read every written evaluation that came back from the conference. Uh, some of them were pretty funny. So not, not, not at the level of, you know, anal leakage or anything. <laughs> all right, um, let's just get off of that word. All right. We'll no, to compete sorry, with figure out how to work tidy whites in, into the conversation. <laughs> we actually have a list of words we've got to work into the conversation. Yeah. You know, Microsoft, we, we, we're pretty hardcore about certain things. Anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> All right. Well, the, my question was, do you, do you get a lot of feedback? Maybe not the PDC because it was all about the future, but I've been getting a lot of feedback from user groups and from Dev Connections, people who go to our conference and I'm uh, for if you guys don't know, I'm half of the conference chair for the Visual Studio side of Dev Connections. Javal Lowy is the other half, and we pick the speakers that talk about the non-ASP.net.net stuff. And we get uh, some feedback. We're beginning to get it now, maybe because it's slipping. That you know, there's too much focus on Widby and Longhorn and stuff that they can't have and they can't use. And uh, do you get? Are are you getting that? I mean, it's a hard. I know it's a hard balancing act for you guys because on the one hand you want people to know what they're in for you know you want them to know what they're what they're going to have to do what they're going to be up against and people need to know that what's coming up but uh do you do you get that do you get like you know stop talking about the details of winfs for example who cares it's not ready well we we get kind of two different sets of feedback and sometimes they're diametrically opposed Often what we hear from developers is, I love your stuff now, but I'm working on a project that's going to be a two-year project. I need to have visibility into where your architecture is going. And you yes. guys need to open up more and show us where you're going. We need more roadmap guidance so that uh, we feel good about the investments we're making. Yes. And then we have to balance that, as you pointed out, uh, because it turns out that, that oftentimes the stuff we're doing in the upcoming releases is very exciting. Yes. And it's easy to kind of fixate on the stuff that's coming and forget about the stuff that's here and now. Um, and so we try to find that balance, educate folks on what's available today, um, at the same time provide clear roadmap guidance for where we're going. It's not always easy. No, sometimes, sometimes we end up going too much to, to one side, other times we oversteer too far to the other side. We have to actually, we're, we're, we're dealing with that at the conference at Dev Connections too, because we're picking the content obviously. We're trying to decide whether we should do you know, uh, a, a half-day pre-con on what's new in C-sharp and what's new in VBNet would be versus, you know, do we do, like, how to build a, uh, an entire smart client with 2003? You know, we're sort of having those debates right now. So I just, you know, you you guys have the your finger on the pulse of the community out there. No, we try, so. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, pretty soon we're going to be uh, going out to the... Uh, hang on a second. Let me say that over again. Pretty soon we're going to be uh, taking a break for the hour. But before we do, if you have any questions for uh, Steve and Vic, you can go to uh, www.franklins.net slash call.netrocks and uh, enter a question right there. Can I ask a quick one while you're, yeah, while you're you doing Yeah, you sure that? can. Have you guys ever wanted to have a way of delivering 
different messages by different channels. For example, something that you could get out to, say, just the Linux community that, um, say, your average consumer or shareholder or exec wouldn't really see. There wouldn't be any visibility there. Because it seems that that would really give you a lot of freedom and flexibility in saying what you need to say to the right people without uh, getting the word out too far. Yeah, the, the problem is that today you know, we live in a connected world. Anything you say to any community spreads to all other communities. Right? Uh, in fact, uh, if you look at the Channel 9 stuff, which I know you're going to talk about, but one of the shocking things about Channel 9 was just the high volume right. of traffic we were getting from Linux users. Hmm. Um, and, and we realized a part of that was because of the traffic coming from Slash.org. And mm-hmm. so, you know, these virtual communities cross-pollinate, yeah, and, and, and messages point. just kind of bleed from one to the other pretty quickly. You know, actually, I, I want to go back real quick to, um, I guess, uh, Carl, your question earlier about, you know, how do we balance the right. stuff that we talk about for the future as well? Okay. And, and one, of, one of the analogies that we use uh, internally is kind of the behavior that happens when you blindfold somebody. You know, you guys ever been blindfolded? Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> I, I always get that kind of reaction. Yeah. So, but, but like, even if you blindfold somebody in, a, in an area they're very familiar with, like blindfold somebody in their bedroom. I'm not asking you to do this tonight, but, but, but try it, you know. And, and what happens, and watch the behavior of a person you blindfold. Even in an area where they know the surroundings very well, they immediately start to tippy-toe around, mm. their hands go out and they kind of very carefully walk around because because they don't they don't have visibility and they don't want to get hurt and mm. so they immediately slow down and that's kind of what happens to our platform adoption when people when we don't talk about the future people don't have visibility mm. into what we're doing they put their hands out even if they like the room and they're comfortable right but it slows down adoption wow and they try to get opinions from this guy and that guy who they trust and who no, really doesn't right. have any idea where mm. anything is the bathroom either. in that direction you know <laughs> am i going to run into the tv if i walk over here that's right, right. i'm, I'm of something pretty cool we could do at the next PDC keynote. <laughs> Blindfold people? Yeah, that's Bill Lockup. I'm stuck in the audience. It doesn't involve wicking tickies or whatever the heck those things are. T- yeah. Tidy whities. But, but I guess... The, the <laughs> <laughs> there, I did it for you. Okay. Now you don't okay, have to we say We can scratch it. that off the list. I mean, I guess, you know, if we, if we give people enough of a roadmap, you know, they can, they know where we're going. They know where, where, where we're headed. Yeah. They can be headed. I have a question for uh, from Rick Childress, who's uh, from Eaton Electrical in Pittsburgh, PA. He's a diehard listener, comes on to the live shows. And he says, guys, what do you think about the notion that Microsoft is simply upping the ante with Longhorn to put so much innovation in the flagship product that it would make it extremely difficult for the OSS to catch up in a reasonable time frame? Discuss. Wow. And I would add even more difficult for Microsoft to catch up. I mean, how do you top Longhorn if it's going to be as good as they say it's going to be? Wow. Well, there's a, there's a grain of truth to, to the question, which is, are we working on innovation? Yes. You know, is the operating yeah. system going to stand still? No. Is it important that it moves forward at a very rapid pace? Is it important for the industry? Is it important for Microsoft? Yes. And yeah. so, so, you know, uh, of course, we're trying to do as much innovation as possible in Longhorn. And yes, yes, that will make it challenging for competitors. Right. I mean, it's a statement of optimism. Do you think that, you right. know, generally speaking, we're done with computer science and with uh, the, the experience? Uh, you know, mm, good we don't question. Think, we think that even after Longhorn, there'll be plenty to do. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, there's still, you know, until you have, I think of a program and poof, it appears, you still have a lot of work to do, right? 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. Also with Windows, though, you guys have to kind of target the lowest common denominator in terms of hardware. You know, you, you have to make sure that your operating system is going to run on such and such setup, while, of course, the hardware to run Longhorn has probably been around for a little while now, and it, we're not even going to see Longhorn for a few years. So it seems like a, a, a very widely adopted platform necessarily has to remain somewhat behind the hardware curve so that other people can, you know, people with older hardware can, can keep up. So maybe this is just like the natural progression. There's nothing about squashing OSS here. It's, it, this is True. something that should have been done and right. that Microsoft has probably wanted to do, and now they finally can because the hardware level is coming up to where it needs to be. Also, the, you know, the plumbing, without the .NET framework, Longhorn could never work, right? Right, right. exactly. I mean, Longhorn is about building on top of the innovation we've done with .NET. Yeah. Not, not, to, not to rehash the PDC messaging too much, but there have been advances in presentation, data, and communication, you know, starting with what's going on in the hardware and, and with networks, with ubiquitous bandwidth, with high-speed bandwidth, you yeah. know, the, the incredibly powerful GPUs, all that stuff, disk capacity outpacing Moore's Law. I mean, how, how, this stuff is not standing still. Yeah. Lynn Erickson wants to know from Houston, Texas, is there anything you can tell us about Internet Explorer? I've heard nothing except for a Scoble blog about it. Huh. <laughs> uh, we continue to innovate. We have more details coming shortly. Um, but it's pretty much what you expect. You know, we, we continue to move forward on the standards. We continue to innovate on Internet Explorer. Um, and uh, we, we, it was included in the PDC build of Longhorn. Yeah. And uh, we'll just keep moving forward. In fact, in fact, if you look at the upcoming release of uh, Service Pack 2 of, um, of Windows, you'll see some of the improvements we've made. You can, you, and it'll be obvious that we are not standing still on Internet Explorer. I, I wanted to say, though, about that, um, I'm getting more and more messages from people saying that they switched to Firefox, right? The, the stripped-down Mozilla browser. And... I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they feel like even though you guys are still working on IE, some things are being ignored, right? Like, why don't we have tab browsing in IE? When I, when I, when I fire up OS X, you know, I, I open up Safari and I've got tab browsing. I can op- open up Mozilla, I've got tab browsing. Opera's had tab browsing for years. Um, it, it, it even seems like it wouldn't be such a tough feature to implement. Yeah. And, and yet we still don't see it. I think that might be where people are getting at when they're talking about features in IE. It seems yeah. like IE, although it is being worked on, is almost, it, it's not keeping up in terms of feature sets with the other browsers out there. And it's, it, it, it's worrisome to a well, lot the, of us. Well, the good news is this shows... Uh is archived and downloadable. So I will make sure I pass the feedback on directly to the IE team so they cool. can listen to the comments. That'd be awesome, because I get a lot of email about that, actually. You know, your site, I, 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 get the, I get the idea of what people are using because I look in the logs and I get the occasional your site doesn't render properly in Firefox message that anybody who runs a pro Microsoft site gets from people. But uh, Avant yeah. browser, apparently. Uh, it's is- buggy, though. It's not. Okay. It's not terribly stable. I've used Avant browser. It does have tab browsing, but it's not terribly stable, yeah. in my opinion. I know people who have used it and loved it, but I'd like to see it come from Microsoft. I'd like to see Microsoft sure. say, "Hey, we're paying attention. We're going to keep up with what the other platforms have got going on, and it's going to be good stuff." And you guys definitely have the resources. So, I, I guess uh, you know one thing that you have now is you're sort of unencumbered by. Um, I won't say unencumbered, but less. Uh, inhibited by having to focus so much on a direct competition with Netscape, you know, which was going on a few years ago. I mean, there are other browsers out there, but in terms of market share, you guys, Internet Explorer is the clear leader. So um, 
not that I'm not saying that that's you know why there's no tab browsing or anything, but I'm saying that you know now it it seems like since most of corporate America is using Internet Explorer, you guys are feeling a little bit freer to put some technologies in there that you know wouldn't necessarily fly in in other browsers that you know that are more tied to Windows, I suppose you could say. Is that true? You think? Yeah, it's, I'm not 100% sure how to interpret your question. I, I do think that, you know, whenever uh, you have a new technology innovation, that in the early days, there's lots of churn and lots of kind of excitement. Um, and then at some point, that stuff tends to settle down as, it, as you mature a little bit and you start taking adoption rates sky high. You think of things like wireless and the kind of churn we had in wireless standards until we saw 802.11 kind of settle down. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, the pace of innovation slows down dramatically. Uh, and innovating once everybody has a particular standard in place becomes a little bit harder. Right. And so I think, you know, we, don't forget, we, we lived in a period of time where everyone talked about Internet time. And, you know, innovation happened at a very, very rapid rate. And we were just working towards getting adoption. Now everyone's grandmother uses this stuff. Right, right. And so the pace of innovation just naturally slows down a little bit, and we become a little bit more thoughtful because uh, innovation affects so many constituencies, uh, enterprises, consumers, you know, existing apps. And, and so we're trying to be thoughtful about this, hmm. but really listen to the feedback we're getting and innovate in the right places. That sounds great. Yeah, it's it's probably not a fair question, I guess, because it seems like the only place where people really... I mean, th- that's the only place I really hear a lot of complaints is IE. So in a lot of areas, yeah, you guys really are doing, you know, pretty exceptionally well, I would say. That's just a source. Well, good. Thank you. People. And yeah. also, I think the complaints probably span a, a you know a spectrum, right? You got, mm-hmm. you know, where's tab browsing on the one end of the spectrum? On the other end, you got, you know, where's my pop-up locker? So there's right. there's a whole range. And as Vic said, it's, when... Yeah, we're trying. I think we're trying to address, yeah. trying trying to pick off things on all parts of the spectrum. Also, I think. <clears throat> do you think that you're making the browser more of a browser and less of an application platform now that you see that you you know there's a push towards smart clients and. Yeah, well, I guess I guess the question, the, the way we look at it is, is very different, which is what's the challenge? What's the developer challenge? And right now, the developer is the one who feels the pain. He he can write, or right. he or she can write great applications for the PC. They can write pretty good applications for mobile devices, they can write web apps, but the paradigms and the programming model and the syntax across all these various approaches are all different. Mm-hmm, I mean, right. why is it that I have to make a decision that if I want to deploy an app on the web, that I have to use a certain set of technologies and a certain architectural approach? But if I want to write an application for the PC with different kind of attributes, I have to use an entirely different paradigm. Right. And what, what we're trying to do with, with, you know, with our platform moving forward is to bring together the best attributes of all these things, of the web, uh, of Windows, and, and really see if we can simplify life for the developer. Um, in fact, uh, some of the innovations in Longhorn are really the, the, the prime directive or the prime goal is to, is to unify these things and then not have developers right. make, make, make these tough trade-offs. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think it's fantastic. And right now we're going to uh, take a break over the hour and we're going to uh, listen to a really nice interview that uh, Rory did with the guys at Channel 9. So uh, stick around. This isn't going to be music and, uh, and I think you're going to like it. All right, so today we've got a special spot on .NET Rocks. Um, I have with me, I'm Rory, of course, I have with me on the phone right now uh, five guys from Redmond who have put together a rather interesting little keyhole uh, in the door to Microsoft that you can kind of peek through and get an idea of what it is that's going on inside of the big house, which is something that we haven't really been able to do in the past, you know. It's always been sort of like this big, tall door that you go up to and you pound on and you cry and you whine and you want to get in, but you can't 
and they were listening and they could hear you pounding and crying, but they had to get the code together to create the website, to create the service that now lets you see inside. So to get things started, um, I want to introduce the five guys from Redmond. And do you guys have any particular order you like to introduce yourselves in? We always like to introduce Len first because he pays the bills. (laughs) (laughs) Great. So, uh, Len. Hey, Rory. I'm Len Pryor. Uh, Yeah, I'm the guy, uh, a.k.a. Scoville's boss, the uh, (laughs) guy who has the privilege of um, working with the other four guys from Redmond to put this this little project together. So I've been in Microsoft for about seven years, Uh, been an evangelist ever since I came here. And we're having a lot of fun right now. It's it's been a, quite a blast. Thanks for having us. Great. All right. And uh, guy from Redmond number two. I'll go for that. I'm I'm Jeff Sandquist, and AKA Scoble called me. I'm known as Scoble's mentor sometimes, <laughs> which is kind of an interesting thing to do. We um um just uh, happy to be here. We uh, you know launched a website about 14 days ago, and I guess we should get the URL in now too. It's channel nine, uh, channel the number nine. Period MSDN period dot period com channel nine dot MSDN dot com. All right, and uh, guy from Redmond number three. Was it going to be a fight? I guess I'll go. I'm uh, I'm Bryn. Uh, I'm one of the developers on the project. Uh, well, that and and me and Charles pretty much just argue all the time. So. <laughs> No, we don't. That's that's my that's my role on the team. Just argue with Charles. Great, I'd I'd like that job actually. Um, so then Redmond guy number five. Um, actually, I'm Redmond guy number four. Oh, really? <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I'm Charles. I'm a developer on Channel Nine. Um, and I'm also I've been at Microsoft for about four or five years, and this is a fantastic project to be working on. Mm-hmm. We're missing Redmond guy number five, probably one of the more famous one of our number, number five number five guy, and that's Scoble. Um, right. Uh, he we got in a little fight as a team last night, and we no actually he's <laughs> off speaking at a at a at a, at a at a meeting right now, so he couldn't right. make it unfortunately. But you guys hear enough from him all the time if you read him, so I'm sure I'm, I'm sure that's uh, more than enough Scoble for you, right? Yeah, I've I've got a Scoble pipe going into my computer just good, for Scoble. Good. So. <laughs> All right, so does anybody want to talk about what Channel 9 is? Like, if you, I mean, you've got the next few minutes to kind of get the word out and let people know what's going on with the website. Um, does anybody want to start with a sort of general overview of what's happening on the site, what people can do, what they're going to get from it? Absolutely. I think all of us can can start this or can add to it, but let me just go ahead and start by saying, um, you know, give you a little idea into the inside of what this is about. The Channel 9 story all started around PDC when we were all working on the PDC project together as a group and uh, doing lots of different things. And, and we realized there is an awful lot of good stuff that happens when you can get developers uh, from Microsoft together with developers uh, from outside of Microsoft and a lot of productive conversations happen. And a lot mm-hmm. of people realize they have a lot of stuff in common together. And we just started thinking, gee, how could we actually make this conversation stay alive? How could it scale? You know, How could everyone get a chance, even if you don't come to the PDC, to get to meet developers that uh, work on the products and the platforms that you use and interact with them on a regular basis? Like you said, Rory, get a little glimpse inside of Redmond. And so uh, we started thinking about this and put together a plan. And you know, between the five of us, we started sketching out, you know, how could we use some of the t- tools and technologies that are out there today? Like, you know, some of the things from social software, we, we looked at lots of different things from blogs to bulletin boards, message boards, you know, wikis, all sorts of things. And we ended up settling on, on a combination of just about all of those, yeah. plus adding video in. Hmm. 
simply because video is it's a medium that you can communicate a lot about the individuals that you don't get out of text or even radio sometimes. So we decided to use video as a way to bring those faces out and give people a chance to uh, see who we are as people. Okay, so in, in a way, you've managed to take the hallway conversations from the PDC and put them online. Yeah, and in some ways, that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you'll notice from the types of interviews we're doing here is we're we're not journalists, right? You know? We're we're developers either, and evangelists, so. and we're we're folks who are out there just sort of um, you know talking with our peers that we work with every day and putting some of that stuff out there. I mean, you know, Jeff can talk a little bit about the process of how we shoot these things and put them together. It's it's pretty. You're looking at five guys who aren't in the media trying to do things like hmm. shoot video and create good interviews. So it's a learning process too. You know, when we looked when we looked at the overall size of Jeff, it's like um, we really thought about you know what if we were building an enthusiast site? If we were building a site about you know you know that talked about you know something else that we're passionate, whether it's motorcycles or you know some aspect of commuting. What would the things we'd have? We'd have a forum and, and so forth. Well, they had the luxury that you know that we're able to you know bring the people that are behind Microsoft. So literally how a, how a video gets um, gets decided based on the interview, a lot of it can be somewhat a little bit more structured to find. We have lists of names of people that we want to target. But then some days I'm just um, watching a distribution list, uh, you know, mailing list inside the company. And somebody just, you know, is very interesting on a list. And it's like literally I'll, um, you know, send them a note and say, hey, we're these guys behind this site. Have you seen it? Maybe they have or maybe they haven't. And, um, we start getting them interested in what we're doing. We said, look, we just spent some time with you. And we, we go over and we just have let them talk for an hour. And we almost and then we go back and we edit the content. And we really look at the at the video almost like you would a weblog post. We right. really try to keep them down to one thought, you know, two to three minutes long. So they're not so long that you you go away from it before, you, uh, before you're done watching it. We kind of want you to stay at the site a little bit while you're doing it so that you'll come back and put some comments and discussion around it. Right. And a um, very quick turnaround. You know, we could probably, in you know, if we had a video that we shot right now, we probably could get one up, you know, within within a few hours if we really, really tried hard. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just move quickly and get lots of different content. It's, you know, it's things about that are the here and now of today. We'll have stuff around, you know, Windows XP Service Pack 2, things about Widby, things about Visual Studio today, and stuff about Longhorn as well, and even also Yukon. And it's just about people getting together and having a conversation with Microsoft and, and seeing a little bit inside how the sausage is made. <laughs> right. One of the things I think is great about it along those lines, the sausage is made, is that we're also getting to see inside of the minds of the people who are making the sausage. It's not just tech. It seems it's not just like Longhorn and it's not a marketing tool. I mean, take Willie, for example. You know, I mean, he's been great. I go on there and I listen to Willie. He talks about things that have some relevance to the tech world, but then he goes on in, in, in his own way and he turns it into part of the humanities, really. Yeah. You know, so often I will, I'll meet somebody, and when they get to meet me, they, you know, they'll ask me, you know, the, the first like couple stock questions about when you meet somebody at Microsoft. Have you met Bill? Um, Are you rich? Are you rich? <laughs> and then, and yeah. then, the, you know, we start talking about software, and, they, and they'll say, you know, um, really, you like making software too? I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I work for Microsoft. <laughs> wow, you mean you really, you know, and and it's surprising because I think that when they start to realize that, you know, we use Visual Studio too. Mm-hmm. And we use SourceSafe and we use, you know, SQL Server and we run into, you know, the same types of things in building this site or other applications that we've been a part of. They're like, you know, you all of a sudden start getting a connection. Hmm. And uh, that's a real powerful thing. And it's, and it's, it's very exciting. And I think we as a team right now, we're all a little bit tired on sleep right now because right. when the site went live, it's hard to turn the thing off. Hmm. Um, you know, I, you know, one o'clock in the morning, I'll wake up or whatever and 
and I'll you know, walk downstairs to get a glass of milk, and I walk by, and I've got my laptop up, and I go, ooh, I'm just going to go over and check and see who's online. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, wow, there's all these different people from other countries and stuff online, hmm. different time zones, and it's, it's just really exciting to get out there and get with people. It is great to see who's online when you're on there. You know, you, you see friends of yours sitting in that sidebar, and you know that they're there looking at the site the same time you are, and it, it makes it feel a lot like a community because you don't do that with a blog. You don't know the other people that are, are looking at it. You know, totally, Rory. That was a big piece of how we designed this thing mm-hmm. was, you know, we looked at the things that are good about blogs, about forums, about wikis, lots of different things. And it's hard to pick one of those because, you know, one of the things that have always bothered me about the web is you go to a website, even a super, super, super popular website, mm-hmm. and you know that there are probably thousands, if not even up to hundreds of thousands of people simultaneously doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But you have no sense of the presence. It's a very right. one-way interaction, even a blog. You know, you might be blogging about your personal thoughts. You might even have comments. But even, you know, in most blogs, the comments are sort of buried under a link. They're not in your face. And that's one of the reasons we decided not only to use avatars and to put people's faces to it or expressions of their personality. A lot of people, you'll notice, don't use um, their personal photograph. They they put a cartoon or something that represents their personality. And you get to see the variety of the types of people who's there sharing the experience with you. And we thought that was a, a kind of a unique thing there. Yeah, that's that's totally true. I mean, in a way, the old way was sort of like going to a movie theater where everybody has their own private booth and there's one seat in each booth and they're all watching the same movie, but you wouldn't know it because everything's soundproofed. And here, it, you, you bring back the community aspect of things that developers often lose. So that that is a great deal. So we're going to talk about the technical stuff. Um, there's probably one question that's on a lot of people's minds and in particular the the throngs of slash daughters who wound up on the site and that is are there any plans to release the source for channel nine because it's a very interesting piece of of software i've never seen anything with so many rss feeds it's like you can get an rss feed for a link or an image you know it's i'm exaggerating but it is very rss yeah absolutely there's a ton of rss stuff on there well, uh, you know, I, I think it'd be good to, to let um, Bryn and, and Charles talk a little bit about the technology behind it sure. and how we put it together, because that's a big piece of understanding the future plans for how we do it, because this project was built off of shared source software. Right. Um, we, you know, if you look at Channel 9, you'll, you'll look down at the bottom at the, the bottom header or footer, you'll notice that it's it, we tell you exactly what it is. And Bryn or Charles, why don't you talk a little bit about how you put this together and, and then how we might proceed with giving check-ins back to the community and stuff. Go for it, Brian. I'll, I'll argue with you. <laughs> a huge amount of our source code, I mean, probably 90, 95% of it comes from those projects, from the ASP.NET forums and the and the FlexWiki projects. Mm-hmm. So one thing that we had to do with them, though, is we, uh, we sort of forked the code away from the, the version that's shared source, and I kind of, to some extent, I, I regret that. But what we're trying to do now to get the source out there is sort of figure out which of the things that we added are going to be useful mm-hmm. in those projects outside of, of uh, Channel 9 and hopefully try and see if we can get those features back into the to the forum source, you know, sort of integrate backwards. Um, the other things that we've done that maybe wouldn't necessarily fit into the source projects uh, but, but might be useful uh, anyway just to find out how we did it, I'm sort of trying to put, you know, iteratively put little pieces of source out on the wiki and I don't know later on we might do something a little different with that something better hmm. well, that's really cool so um do you want to tell me a little bit about how you are able to take all this information and so apparently easy 
convert it to RSS streams? I mean, do you have like some sort of a a view controller mumbo jumbo thing going on inside? You have these generic data items that you're exposing and then running through some, you know, processor that's spitting out uh, uh, RSS or what's going on. Can you talk about that? Well, it's not quite that. It's not a, it's not a a model view controller uh, uh, type application. It's actually just, you know, there's a couple classes that we have or that actually ASP.NET forums has. It's got a RSS channel class and an RSS, um, item class. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure about the naming of that class. And really all we do is we have an RSS.ASPX page and it figures out based on the, you know, the context what RSS feed it should be displaying. And we pass in the context from the XML link. So it's a sort of a two-way street there. The, the XML icon passes in all the current context over to the RSS page. Hmm. The RSS page takes that context, turns it into a list of items, and makes a RSS channel and a bunch of RSS items, and then that gets passed over to a, a, a standard routine that turns that into XML. Hmm. All right. Well, that's pretty cool. So that's like a peek inside the peek inside of Microsoft. <laughs> um, I guess we're going to have to wrap it up here. Uh, we've gone a little bit over the 10 minutes, which is perfectly all right, because this is, this is great stuff. And uh, I think people should definitely know about Channel 9. Um, so much Please so, in fact. Please come to the site. It's channel9.msdn.com. And, uh, you know, we've got a lot of ways for people to participate, whether it's comments, whether it's, you know, participating in a poll, doing something wiki, or just even visiting the site. And we've got a lot to learn about how to make the site better, and uh, we'd be thrilled if you'd come on by. Yeah, and tell us what you need. That's another important thing. This is a living, breathing community that's hopefully going to be improved by the community. So, you know, get on out there and tell us what you need and how to make this better, how to make Microsoft a better Microsoft. Great. All right. Well, thanks, guys. You know, thanks for coming on the show and talking to me. I know you're all busy and probably not sleeping because I, I is Channel 9 the day job for everybody here? Uh, you know what? The Channel 9 has been our day job for a little while, but uh, it's, you know, as an evangelism group, we got plenty of things to do. So, right. so you're pretty busy. So we're thanks pretty a lot busy for the time. right now, but we're having a great time and it's just been it's been an absolute blast. Cool. All right. Well, I guess with that, we'll let you guys go. Thanks a bunch, Rory. Yeah. Thank, Thank you a lot. That was pretty cool, and and uh, we're back. We are going to do a spot for uh, Data Dynamics, and uh, after that, we're going to get some more people from Microsoft on the phone, and we're going to have a good old time, so stick around, man. Hey, Carl Franklin here, giving a shout-out to my friends at Data Dynamics. Uh, we've talked a lot about active reports on this show, and this is no exception. So I'm talking about ActiveReports.net. This is a port of their popular Active Reports program. If you're currently thinking of doing reporting in .NET for Windows Forms or web applications, check out ActiveReports for .NET. Uh, many of my friends in the business use and swear by ActiveReports.net. I use it as well. Now let me just tell you, to say that the reporting is simple does it an injustice because it makes you think that it can only do simple things. It can do very powerful things. But you don't have to go through hoops just to set up a simple report. When you create a report, the report exists with your application. Okay, It doesn't exist on a server somewhere. All right, We're not talking about enterprise reporting. We're talking about, I have some data, I want to print it out, or I want to show it to the user. PDF format is supported. HTML format is supported. All the great features you'd expect from a reporting engine Drop Dead Simple, and the best part, it's not going to break the bank. They have a great licensing scheme that's easy to deal with. 
So check it out at www.datadynamics.com. Now let's get back to our show. And we're back. And so uh, we're going to have Len Pryor and the gang from uh, Channel 9 on here uh, on the show coming up in in a very short while. First, I'd like to uh, take this opportunity to do a little section we like to call every week the Linux Vulnerability of the Week. And here we go. Hello, Mr. Bull. Let's you and me fight. <laughs> this week, uh, the Linux Vulnerability is a uh, an article that came out in internetnews.com. Uh, April 16th, 2004, multiple Linux flaws reported. And this is a story that basically says that researchers are warning of a security, a buffer overflow security flaw in the Linux kernel that can be exploited to lead to privilege escalation attacks. Now, I love how they say in the Linux world it could lead to privilege escalation attacks. But, you know, when Windows flaws come out, they say which could allow a remote hacker to take control of your computer, you know. So they spin it a little differently. Well, Carl, the uh, the usual difference is um, privilege escalation attacks mean that somebody who already has an account on a Unix or Linux machine that isn't the root user can become a root user. So right. they already have to have access to the machine. Right. That's why we use the word hacker. Yes. Yes. So according to an advisory issued by iDefense, the vulnerabilities affect Linux kernel 2.6, Linux kernel 2.5, and 2.4. Quote, successful... Exploitation may allow arbitrary code execution with root or kernel level level privileges. Kernel level privileges. Boy, that's hard to say. And there, it goes on and on and on. Anyway, we do this Linux vulnerability of the week, not to uh, not to uh, tell tell people or that we think that you know Microsoft Windows doesn't have bugs, and Linux does. Quite to the contrary, we are here to give equal time to the flaws that occur in Linux because uh, there are those out there that say. Linux has no flaws. And that, my friends, is the Linux vulnerability of the week. Hello, Mr. Bull. Let's you and me fight. (laughs) So, Rory, uh, that was quite an interview you did with the guys from the Channel 9. As it turns out, they're on the phone right now. Hey, Len. Hey, guys. What's up, guys? How you doing? Hey there. Hi. This is Jeff. Okay, so this is Jeff and Jeff, who else? Len, and let me see who else is on. I, I think Bryn and Charles are jumping on. They're just in the process of dialing in. I'm here. All right, Bryn's there, and Charles has a sore throat, so I'm not sure. If ah. he's... <laughs> yeah, so let's see. He can we'll take it talk. easy on Charles. Okay, it says uh, he still can't talk because he's got a sore throat. And he's, he's said he's at the home right now, and he's got a... Uh, coming down with something, so I okay. don't think we're going to get him on. That's okay. Well, I was told I got Lyme disease yesterday, so, I mean, everybody's got something going on. You but, were told uh, you have Lyme disease? Well, that I might have Lyme disease, so, yeah. Do you guys Do you guys have, uh, are you guys getting a lot of traffic at Channel 9? Yeah, you know, it's been it's been really fantastic, the amount of uh, the response we've had, considering we, we never really ex- were sure what to expect. We put this mm-hmm. out without doing a lot of marketing or promotion or anything. And, uh, you know, we've had, there's uh, almost 4,000 registered users on the site and 
there's a constant churn of people 24 hours a day, so we're wow. pretty happy with it. So there's something I wanted to know when we when we talked last night is, uh, you know, it, it is a Microsoft community site, and the idea is to open up the doors a bit. Um, I know that when I was reading Slashdot comments, some people were complaining that they weren't able to get to the video because they were coming in from a Nix platform. Do you have any plans to support any other video formats so that people from other platforms can can watch the movies? Or would that be... I mean, I understand it's already a lot of work for you guys to edit and and uh, render and get these things out, but are there any plans at all in the future for doing anything for that crowd? You know, we're, we're thinking about how to handle this. I mean, obviously our expertise uh, is in working with Windows Media. Of course. That's what yeah. we understand, but... Um, there's a couple of things we're thinking of doing. One is making uh, the videos available for offline download oh, okay. so that you can download them and watch them with another player. And, you know, there's Mac support for Windows Media, and there's even Linux support, believe it or not, for Windows Media. It just doesn't do uh, streaming. Oh, product called I didn't know that. I so, didn't yeah, know that either. There's oh. a couple of um, different options for viewing Windows Media across platforms. And, you know, whether we look at other formats in terms of encoding or streaming formats, we're, we're still trying to figure it out. I mean, we're... Like I said yesterday, we're learning how to do uh, video editing and and, and uh, shooting and everything sort of on the fly as a group of folks mm-hmm. who really don't know much about it. So we've kind of gone for um, the you know the way that seemed most easy to get up and running. But we hear what the community is saying, and we're definitely listening to feedback. It's a good point that uh, Roy makes that I think you know if you if you support the formats that most Linux users are using, that not, you know maybe they could download something that works, but if you uh, target what they already have on their desktop, then you you know more you, you get the message to the people who need to hear it the most. I think, which is what sure, the point sure. Is. Yeah, There's definitely something to be said for that. Yeah. So, what do you guys do during the day? Like, let's say that you're done. Or, well, you're never really done doing Channel Nine stuff, but what do you actually do? Because you're you're not like uh, your job title isn't Channel Niner or anything like that, <laughs> or or one of the five guys from Redmond. But what do you do I think maybe we should change our job titles. What do you think? <laughs> I think it'd be great. One uh, of the five guys from Redmond. <laughs> you know, our, our, I think one of the things that makes our job interesting is that we still have other things that we do. Channel right. Line is a big part of what we do. Mm-hmm. I can speak for myself. Um, I'm a program manager at Microsoft. Okay, is a, is the role that I've you know I've played a lot, and you know a lot of that's like being um, you know making sure that uh, we've got some things uh, defined and spec'd out. You know, working with other groups, helping get those relationships like that happening. Um, sometimes it's being spiritual leader. Sometimes it's leader. Sometimes it's being like Mother Teresa, or just even mm. who's the guy that's going to bring in the food when we're working late. Um, you know, so we all have different roles that we play. There's other things we do as an evangelist. Uh, as evangelists, the beauty of it is, is that because we have other responsibility, it helps us have perspective when we're working with the site. Right. And it helps us um, keep those relationships going with other teams. But I would say, you know, a large part of what we're doing right now is channel line, making sure that the site's running smoothly, um, listening to the features and things that customers want, and working quickly to implement them and keep the content real and interesting. I don't know if you said this uh, before, if you've answered this, because I really ha- I listened to the interview with one ear. I was in Florida when Rory was doing that. So, so if you've already answered it, we'll just cut it out. But um, how how many of you guys actually work on Longhorn? Uh, work on it every day? Yeah. Like using it as our machine? No, no, no. Work on the product in terms of development. 
uh, we, we don't work on the Longhorn product in terms of development. Okay. What, what might be interesting to talk about is, is sort of the role of evangelism at Microsoft. And, sure. You know, Carl, you and I have met each other um, around Longhorn um, back at PDC and yep. different things we've done with the MVPs and stuff. And I, I've worked on, you know, running Longhorn Evangelism for the past, uh, you know, about basically two years of my career almost, or a year and a half of my career was spent, um, you know, just working on trying to pull together the uh, the messages and everything that we do for Longhorn. So, you know, you talked to, to Vic and to Steve earlier and heard a lot about what we've been doing and how we approach this. The role of evangelism isn't to develop the product, like literally the code on the product. The role of evangelism is to help make it possible for developers to be successful on the product. Yeah. And so that entails a lot of different things. It's a totally right. different skill from development. It is. It's a different skill from development. Now, you have to be technical enough to understand the feedback you're being given or to do something about what you're learning from developers, and you have to understand the product cycle and know the developers who are working on Longhorn. Yeah. But it's a different skill set. What yeah. we do is we, you know, we bridge the gap between the product team and the developer community. And the first thing we have to do when we introduce a new product is understand why developers are going to care. So we spend right. a lot of time up front sitting day-to-day with the product teams, looking at their specs, trying to understand what they're trying to create, looking at their API, and then trying to translate that into something that's understandable by the broad community. Well, Len, I'll give you a great example of that. At the PDC Summit, um, the MVP Summit before the PDC, you said the the absolutely most kick-ass description of why you need Longhorn, and it was talking about WinFS. And you said this, and I, I tell everybody this. I've said it on the show before. And I give you credit for it. It's, you know, how long does it take you to find a file on your hard drive? If you do a right-click in the Explorer and search or find files, you know, the and I let them answer. Yeah, forget it. You know, you go to lunch or you let it work, you know, it's going to take time, a lot yep. of time. Now, how long would it take you to Google it? A couple of seconds. A couple of seconds, right. And the, the result of that little exercise is it's faster for you to find a file in the f***ing world than it is on your own desktop in front of you. Right. Right? And that just hit home so hard that because I think the reason is because you touch the pain, you know? Yep. <laughs> that's that's true, but that's what evangelism is about. It's about understanding really the value of the products that we're building to uh, our customers and being able to, to give someone a simple anecdote like that. Um, being able to tell somebody, you know, give them a crisp example. There's a couple of ways you could describe WinFS. Sure, you could go into deep techno babble and start talking about it. it's a database-like engine that has metadata and right. provides structured information about the file system, blah, blah, blah. You could do all that. But to most people, that just kind of goes over their head when you I totally agree. your concept out. I totally agree. There's nothing more powerful than a good example or a good demo. Or and good that's metaphor. part of what evangelism does. So, so speaking of getting out to customers, you guys are evangelists. How do you how do you get your leads? How do you decide who you're going to talk to next or where they are? How do you how does this stuff come in? You know, how do you decide what's important? How do you prioritize what groups or communities or people or whatever you need to talk to? How does this happen? Sure. It, it, well, it's it's a pretty complex process. I mean, obviously, there, there's no easy formula for determining what makes uh, what really drives adoption in the community. But ultimately, what we want to see is developers to be successful in our platforms. Mm -hmm. And we also want to make sure that that success translates into a wave of support across the board. Uh, when you're in the platform business, you know, your platform lives and dies by the support from the developer community. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. yeah, you know what I'm saying. So what you have to do is kind of look at the, the landscape of the product that you're bringing out and identify 
where, you know, where are the opportunities to make the biggest roadmaps forward? Or in some ways, who are going to be your leaders that everyone is going to follow? Mm -hmm. Um, Because there are, there are some companies um, that, you know, will exploit a new technology or adopt it in a way that's just absolutely blows everyone away. Hmm. And finding those examples, AKA known as the killer app, is a very difficult thing. Well, yeah. Um, So you got to look at, you know, what's the value you have in a new technology and who are the companies that really do the best job of exemplifying that. But that doesn't mean we only talk to, you know, the five or six people that we think do that. Um, If you did, you'd never, you know, you'd miss so many opportunities from small companies, from, um, you know, even individuals who are doing cool stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you can talk about this. This might be sort of off limits, but do you have some kind of super duper uh, tracking software or something that you use to keep track of what people are doing and and which companies you want to talk to next and and things like that? I mean, essentially, yeah, like rate a, them and sure, like a, almost like a CRMS, but for them. but for evangelists. You know, we don't actually. Um, so it's all little sticky yellow notepads. Hey, would, <laughs> sticky hey, yellow notepads. Guys, would you like one? We actually we actually do use you know. <laughs> We're we're a big enterprise company, sure, and we do use Siebel, like, and I think that's no no secret. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have we have a Siebel implementation at Microsoft, and we use a CRM application. Sure. Right? And we use that to track customers, and, and that goes you know across across the sales cycle. So yeah. we don't really have sticky notes or whatever putting putting around. There is actually a rhythm to what we do. And right. But what's and, weird and, is and, that these people aren't customers; they're like potential people that you could maybe someday in the future get to be customers. Well, they could be customers. They could be, you know, potential customers. I think it goes yeah. across all, all gamut. Oh, that's that's a good point. It's you know, I mean, Jeff is right. There are definitely lots of systems for understanding who your customers are. The question is, is there a, when you said is there a magic piece of software that's watching the world out there, you know, uh, and tells us who you know who's interesting? No, that from that perspective, it, it's all of a lot of hard work, and um, we're all software users too. You know, sure. we we use computers more Let's than Sapien 1.0. Right. Right. <laughs> Willie. Yeah. Exactly. We're all homo sapiens. That was beautiful. And so from that perspective, we, you know, we, we have to rely on our own, you know, sort of uh, instincts as, a, as an industry and, and keep our eyes out on what's happening. And, you know, every developer who builds an app for Windows is important. Mm-hmm. And so it's really hard when you have limited resources to prioritize, you know, who who get who, you know, who do you spend your time with? It's a right. very difficult thing. Let me talk about that limited resources cuz I know that you guys in the evangelism team have lot smaller budgets than like say the marketing team does. How, you know, it, it, why is that? I mean, what I mean evangelism is really important for developers if it's really the center of the universe. You know, tell me talk about that for a minute. Why why is it perceived as uh you know, a lower budget thing, or why? Why do you have lower budgets? Well, I think the difference is, is you know, marketing groups are communicating through mass media, so their budgets are always going to be high because they're buying, you know, television spots and magazine ads and things. True. Evangelism is very much a, a sort of um, person-to-person type of of a communication form. It's not something that you go out and you don't evangelize through, uh, you know, a print ad in Wired. Um, but it's it's very different. So the well, one bandwidth people, costs money, though, and bandwidth costs money. Events cost money, and yeah, absolutely. We when I say we have limited resources, people would probably be blown away about the numbers of of what we do have available to us. But think about this: Microsoft takes evangelism extremely seriously. We have over four hundred evangelists inside of the company that work around the world, and I think that's something most people don't realize. There are small teams who are focused on you know maybe leading the charge. For instance, you know Whidbey, Yukon, Longhorn. 
All these things have to start out with small groups of people who are able to get close to the product team, build the relationships, understand the landscape, and then work with the rest of the company to build this up. Yeah, I see, where, help- I see where you're coming from. It's not like a, a, a problem that can scale when you throw money at it. You, right. You have to sort of, it's all about people. It's all about people. And that's the difference is evangelism depends on, you know, our success as a company and, and getting developers excited about our technology really starts at the person-to-person level. Like like Carl said, when I was in that meeting that time and I gave that analogy and it touched Carl, that's something that I can't do especially well, um, you know, by taking out a print advertisement or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Evangelism is almost a word-of-mouth, grassroots type effort. And if you look at what we're doing with Channel 9, that's actually in a, you know, a good example of how you can touch people directly on scale. That's one of the things we're trying to figure out is can you give people that same feeling of meeting someone at the PDC um, without having you know everyone fly to the PDC? Is, can you use some of these new mediums right. to be, or new mediums to be able to do this? That's uh, spectacular. And I, I love watching the videos from the very first one, Homo Sapien 1.0. <laughs> yeah. That's just great. So one thing about about the videos, about Channel 9, about all this information is that this is a very, 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 very new way for Microsoft to be communicating with people, right? I mean, for a lot of other people in the community, maybe in the open source community or just general users of of, of the platform and software, it's it, it doesn't necessarily seem like such a big deal. But for you guys, it really is. Have have there been any uphill struggles recently in in are you guys having to fight to keep Channel 9, or is or is it being accepted pretty readily inside of the company? Because it's a big change, and I don't know if a lot of people inside of Microsoft are probably ready for that. You know? I'll actually challenge you that maybe it is not that big of a change. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, you have to look back at you know what has been happening and at Microsoft and just even around around the world. You look go go look at blogs.msdn.com and look down the lower left for a number of webloggers that are just on that one site of Microsoft webloggers. There's over like 400, 400 webloggers there. Um, there's a lot of people that are communicating in a different way and fashion these days. And, you know, Channel 9 is just a natural evolution of a lot of things that really started around the PDC. Well, I remember after after the PDC, you know, talking, going through weblogs and saying, wow, I got to connect with Microsoft on a personal level. Mm-hmm. And I really think that started before the PDC through a lot of people weblogging. Through blogs, yeah. And I think that Channel 9 is a natural evolution of that. Not everybody has the time to weblog, and that's why we took video as a way, if you look at our video posts on Channel 9, they're really like a weblog entry. Bill Hill, when he did Homo Sapiens 1.0 or when he did two spaces, so one space after a period rather than two, if he had typed that out, it probably would have been a very viral, very popular weblog post. It's a challenge of getting somebody to take the time um, when they have other different things going on in their schedule to, to write a regular weblog, you know, and making that personal commitment. Geez, I'm going to set up a weblog. I'm going to go and start writing on a daily basis is not necessarily always approachable. With Channel 9, we're trying to make that a kind of more approachable from everybody because they don't, you know, we can we can work with them, we can do some videotaping, we can get them online very quickly. There's no setup things for them. It's sort of like, here, here we go, we'll make this as easy for you as possible and try and get them up regularly. So I challenge that, you know, that, yeah, we're doing some, some pretty interesting things with wikis and, and things like that. Really, the whole party started a long long before PDC, and I think this is just the next step. The question will be, what is the world going to look like in five years? And I think that's where it gets really exciting. And just to add to Jeff's point, it's even, you know, Jeff and I met probably almost seven years ago working on MSDN, doing uh, efforts around news groups and community. And, the you know, the funny thing is people forget Microsoft has been out there 
communicating with customers online since the early 1980s with the CompuServe forms. CompuServe. And CompuServe forms evolved and eventually went away as CompuServe lost popularity, and we moved to NNTP. We've had you know literally thousands of, of NNTP uh, users and, and posts and things going on out there for, for years. Um, that evolved into you know even web-based news readers like uh, you'll find on MSDN today. Um, it's just you know this is almost a natural evolution of just communicating with your customers as is uh, .NET Rocks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I guess for me where the difference lies is that with the forums and the news groups and the face-to-face conversations and the conventions and things like that is that it's you guys coming to us, but with Channel Nine, it's like Microsoft setting up its shingle on the internet, its community shingle on the internet, and saying, now you, now, now, now you guys come to us. You guys come to Microsoft instead of Microsoft coming to you guys. It's like it's happening on your territory. Hmm. You know, it, it seems a little bit more official. I guess for me, that's why it seems like a bigger deal. Because the blogs.mcn.com stuff, um, I mean, that's also relatively new. Sure, but at the PC, same time, you go yeah, away. Yeah, but, but at the same time, I, I still detect a certain detachment. You know, like when, when I'm reading Dare's blog, for example, I, I feel like I'm connecting with Dare. I don't feel like I've got a pipe straight through to Microsoft. But with Channel 9, it's a keyhole right in the door going right into Microsoft. I'm, I'm, are you saying that's a good thing? When you're, I'm sorry, uh, are you saying you know, is it a good thing that, um, that this is more official, that we're having you come to us rather than us going to them? Yes, absolutely. Oh, that, okay. that is what I'm saying. I think, I think it's a very good thing. And, and I think that's what's a little bit unusual about it because a lot of people will probably be thinking, well, are How'd the lawyers let this slip past? You know, how'd the how'd the suits let this fly? How'd the people upstairs who have to worry about, you know, image or or who have to worry about possible lawsuits? How did they let this happen? And it it gives Microsoft a different face, in my opinion, for you guys to make it official like this and and make it available. There there certainly are challenges, and mm-hmm. this, like we said from the beginning, this is an experiment. Right. Um, we had an idea. And we executed on it, and we had good support from our management, and we were able to do this experiment. And like you said, there's a lot of things that you have to be sensitive to in open communication. Right. Um, you know, you have to worry about, you know, um, what you say sometimes in this world, um, simply because it can either be taken out of context or used against you. Sure, lawyers are concerned about things like mm-hmm. that. There are simple rules. I, You know, we wrote this thing called the Channel 9 Doctrine that's up there on the site. And if you read the rules, they're pretty straightforward. It's just be smart. Talk about what right. you're here to talk about, and that's, you know, technology. We're not here to create controversy or to, you know, publish our, our thoughts on the world or anything. It's we have Rory to, to do that. We have Rory <laughs> to do that, exactly. Yeah. Through through uh, the cartoons and, and all that wonderful stuff that you do. And ass leakage. And through ass leakage. So another thing here then, I guess, to, to bring it back to the official side is Microsoft is very – Results oriented, right? There's a there's a certain expectation of return on investment. Are you guys going to have to demonstrate something somehow? Because obviously, you're not going to be able to say, "Well, Channel Nine has directly led to increased revenue." How are you guys going to handle that as as the months come? Are you going to have to handle that, or is this generally seen as a good thing and it's worth the investment? I think it's generally seen as a good thing that's worth the investment. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, we don't want to just waste. Uh, shareholder money on on random ridiculous experiments. Of course, um, but what this is about is sometimes that you know th- this is something we talk about and think about a lot, which is what is how do you measure relationships? Mm-hmm. Um, you can be a very very results oriented person in life. You can be extremely metrics oriented. You can judge everything you do by dollars and cents and standards of efficiency, and and that that has its place. At the same time, there's this thing in the world called relationships, which is incredibly hard 
um, to, to measure in statistical terms. Sure. And sometimes when you try to measure it, it's even harder because then it's almost like an, it's almost like if I called up all of my friends and said, I'd like you to fill out a survey on how good of a friend I am. <laughs> right. well, what would your friends think of you if you did that? Relationships are very hard or soft and intangible things. And this is something that business in general, not just Microsoft, is going to struggle with over the next couple of years. But mm-hmm. you guys have demonstrated that it clearly works. I mean, right? I mean, there's clear numbers out there that says, look, evangelism works. The the things that we've done in Dev Days and the PDC, I mean, that gets people understanding our products, developers especially, which is critical to the success of Windows, not just to the success of, you know, uh, visualstudio.net, let's say. Sure. I, I mean, I, if that's your assertion, I think uh, I appreciate that. We, I mean, obviously well, do you, we you invest think it in works, it as a so. company. You, I mean, don't isn't that why you do it? Because it works, or, yeah. or is it? You're, I mean, you're not just throwing darts, right? Absolutely, it does work. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that's what I've wondered about. Because evangelism or relationships, it's not like something you can package and sell like Office, you know. And and when I when I look at Microsoft, it's just something that I think about. Like, how does this work inside? How do people see it? It was it was almost like a selfish question, just because I've been so curious about that, and I've been wanting to ask somebody inside for a while now and i guess i could have emailed but i'm sure there are other people who want to know too so it's kind of related to a question we have from a listener greg bloomers who says how do evangelists get reviewed and rated and how do you get such a cool job <laughs> yeah hopefully they're rated very well lends my boss <laughs> <Right. laughs> yeah. um how do evangelists get reviewed and rated it's interesting what makes a good evangelist a good evangelist is somebody who um is a fantastic communicator Someone who's able to clearly uh, get the message across and 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 then motivate people based on that. If you think of the roots of the word evangelism and where it comes from, from you know uh, from religion, it's all just you know a matter of communicating one's values and beliefs yeah. and getting people excited and passionate about them. Whether that applies to uh, a version of a religion or or even in business to um, a platform that you're trying to sell in the marketplace. So people who are good evangelists are great communicators. People who are good evangelists follow through. Um, they they take care of their customer. Well, we've sorry. Go ahead. No, uh, go, uh, go ahead. Ed. Well, we have a caller on the phone, uh, Joe Acker, who's got a uh, a story to tell about some experience he had with Microsoft Evangelism. Joe, are you there? I'm here. Hey, man, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Thanks for calling .NET Rocks. Can we send you a T-shirt? Oh, that's that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> All right. T-shirts are always good. We like to clothe our listeners. So. <laughs> you have a question? Well, no, I had a comment. Uh, You know, uh, back in uh, 1985, I'd been managing a computer store at the Elk Co-op in New Haven, Connecticut, uh, for a couple years. And, uh, you know, um, somebody from Microsoft called us and came out and wanted to show show us Word and and brought out uh, copies of it and gave it to us. And we thought that was great because we... I mean, even as a store, we needed to have uh, that kind of an introduction to a product to get going, and they held our hands and kept us going, and, mm. you know, we uh, we thought cool. that was just terrific. Wow, that's great. It's a and great story, Greg. So did it, did it sort of set you on the path of, I mean, uh, of, of using Microsoft products in general? Was that like a, a critical thing for the future, or was it just good in that one setting, or...? Well, it wasn't. It 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 didn't make me a convert at the time because I mean, basically, I had a a, a software program that uh, a word processing program I was selling to Yale students that was tailor made for doing academic work. Oh, but I, I was very impressed with uh, what they did, and 
and uh, you know, all along, I can see the community building that uh, Microsoft's been doing. I mean, it just, hmm. it just, well, you know, our company is also a is is a Microsoft partner, SMP Technologies, and our um, and we're also Macromedia partners. Yeah. I mean, we wish we'd get the attention from Macromedia, even though I'm the leader of the local um, uh, Macromedia, you know, user group for Connecticut. I'm the only one left now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we just don't get any support from them. I mean, we just wonder why, you know, and uh, especially compared to, to Microsoft. How long have you been at Yale? Um, well, I was at, I was at Yale uh, some time back, you know, back oh, okay. in the 80s, but now I'm over uh, at SMP Technology. So were you there when our president was going to school there? Ah, uh, gee, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that was, maybe it was around his time, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool, though, because a lot of that kind of answers the, the tangible returns question. I mean, obviously, it's not something you're necessarily going to write down or mark down, but it sounds like from somebody who's actually been out there and who's experienced this firsthand, it, 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 does, it does work. Which it, was... it, for me, I'd say it absolutely does. Awesome. Yeah, and I, I don't think that there's any other development platform that gets the kind of attention that Microsoft developers do. I mean, I had a comment from a guy down at Dev Connections who, uh, and Microsoft was highly involved in that conference too. They did a whole day on uh, with Microsoft speakers. They had, you know, previews and, and talks with with the guys from Microsoft. And uh, so there was obviously a Microsoft presence. And, and we were talking with the, this one guy who basically said, you know, anybody who's going to develop on any other platform is insane because they're not getting this kind of support. They're not even getting the kind of websites that you can go to, just like offline stuff. Never no, mind no kidding. Yeah. Never mind getting together at places like this and give, being handed, you know, the kind of tools that Microsoft is giving, giving them to check out. Uh, it's just you'd be insane. I mean, in terms of community involvement. Cool. Well, thanks for calling. Yeah, yeah thanks. All right. Well, you know, if there was any, if there was any one thing I, I think that Microsoft could add to what they're doing, you know, it would be to become a little bit more interactive on their site. Uh, although they are, I mean, everybody knows if you've gone up and you've checked out docs, there's always a question there. Did this help? You know, and their their docs are rated, and I, I suppose that Microsoft is is either leaving them on there for people or, or taking them off, depending upon the kind of response they get. Yeah, I think part of the challenge of evangelism is getting developers to read the docs. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thanks for having me on the show. All right, thanks. thanks. For Bye-bye. Are you guys still there? Absolutely. Cool. So there's a happy customer. There. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's great to hear. It's, um, you know, that's, that shows the power of this. This, this isn't anything uh, new or a secret formula. I mean, Small business owners do this fantastically. Just reaching out to your customer and taking good care of them, helping them see the value of the service or the product you sell, and uh, and, and doing it in a way that's productive and supportive. And coming up with great metaphors like the WinFS thing you did, Lon, <laughs> that was just brilliant. So what's uh, what's in store for TechEd? I'm going to be there. I'm going to be speaking. Rory and I are doing two shows, two, count them, one, two. Well, two different Okay. <laughs> Rory and I are going to be doing two different events, one, two different events that are going to culminate in the .NET Rock show after the fact. And uh, and we're also, Microsoft is giving away a ticket to TechEd, like in, within the next 10 minutes here, we're going to be giving it away. Oh, cool. So what do you guys, uh, obviously we've, we've talked to some uh, evangelism people before, Eileen Crane being one of them. And uh, she sort of laid out to me that, the PDC is all about the future, and the tech ed is all about the present. 
And uh, so what's coming up at the at Tech Ed in uh, in May that that you can talk about? Sure, Jeff. You you want to share some of your thoughts on this too? Um, Len, you go first, and then I'll uh, okay. follow along. So basically, uh, yeah, Eileen is right about that in terms of the, the PDC is very much a forward-looking conference. We sort of think of it as an 18- to 24-month type conference where you're there to help guide the roadmap. TechEd is very much about uh, the things, you know, actionable skills training, things that you can use um, within the coming, you know, either currently right now or within the coming uh, six to 12 months, and there's a lot of uh, good stuff that's there to help people do their jobs and get stuff done. I think this year at TechEd, you're going to see a lot of uh, uh, of good stuff coming out around uh, the .NET framework, especially around um, Visual Studio Whidbey or Visual Studio .NET 2005, as I think it's now called, Right. where they're going to spend a lot of time talking about some of the good improvements coming um, for developers around uh, the next version of VS. Um, there'll be lots of talk about SQL Server Yukon um, and, and even a lot of the current shipping technologies. TechEd is a cool conference because it covers more than just, um, you know, the, the hardcore developer issues. TechEd yeah. is also a conference where a lot of uh, IT pro issues are covered. So if you're a, an exchange server administrator or a SQL, um, you know, DB admin, you know, you, this is a place where there's lots of different topics covered across a broad variety of um, technologies. Yeah. And uh, as Keith was saying, he's doing a pre-con, a pre-conference on uh, architecture there, right? And uh, he's getting together with this core group of his. And he, he actually said that he would make it happen so that the winner of this ticket would donate. Uh, he would donate, you know, that a ticket to that pre-conference. Oh, that's awesome. So pre-conference is, is a great way to uh, get some, some very quick uh, sort of ramp up on um, on, on skills that you may not have or technologies you may not be as familiar with to make the most of the conference. So I think I think I think a lot of people know anybody who's been to maybe one conference or more than one conference. It's a little plug for going to conferences. Um, you know the connections you make uh, to people in your industry, people you know, at Microsoft, and just the friends you make are going to last a lifetime. And uh, I think that's one of the things, the biggest things that I take away from conferences. Yeah, I'm able people. to connect one on one with people, yep. and uh, it's just you just get a whole new perspective of people when you meet them one on one. And I think that's oh, one sorry. of the biggest values that I get out of the conference: the hallway connections, the ideas, and and the things. And you know, it's it's just a very powerful thing. You want to say for anybody, you know, speaking of the meeting one on one thing, uh, we have a lot of big fans of the Bob Wrestleman show, the guy who wrote Coding Slave, and we're organizing a sort of. Uh, you know, get together, un- unofficial get together on Sunday night. So if you're interested in meeting Bob, and uh, I mean I really am, like really freaky interested. Uh, I, I probably should <laughs> say very interested. interested. Yeah, um, email me Rory at neopolian dot com. We're gonna try to get something together because that guy has some interesting stuff going on up up in his head, and it'd be fun to talk. So awesome. Maybe you can. Maybe I'll you, even try to stop in there. Yeah, maybe if you can. Uh, maybe I could talk. Maybe <laughs> maybe we could even try to get a room somewhere. Yeah, like we'll try to make that happen. Be cool. So now it's time, folks. If you were listening at the beginning of the show and you heard the namespace of the week, we want you to go now to www.franklins.net/call.netrocks and tell us what it is. And we're going to pick a lucky winner at random to give away the ticket to Tech Ed. And uh, boy, I'm just so excited! And here they come, Roy. They're just pouring in. <laughs> They're just uh, oh somebody who won a server says can I trade in a server for oh, this geez. <laughs> no 
chances are if you've already won something, you're not going to win again. So uh, we'll just say that. I'll take the server. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I just want traffic keeps growing. We might need it too. So. I want to let you guys in on something that we have the the highest number of live listeners we've ever had, and I I think it may be because we're giving away a ticket. I think <laughs> I, I doubt it's because of us. <laughs> I'd take a ticket, ticket over us anything. Well, def- over us too. I mean, come on. I mean, who cares about this stupid show? Give me a ticket to Techhead. <laughs> so uh, people are emailing us and they're sending us all sorts of stuff. So you guys bribing, yeah, yeah. bribes, begging. Do you guys have uh, any last minute words of wisdom to say to uh, the listeners out here? You know, come to the site, channel9.msdn.com. Um, do what you can to participate. We'll be there. Um, let us know uh, what we need to do differently. You know, nice to hear what we're doing right, but also let us know um, how we can improve the site. If you're not coming to the site, if you don't like it, come and tell us why. And uh, we want to work to make it better. Amen, Jeff. And one last thing on this is not just the site. This is a place for you to get a chance to talk to our developers. Um, there's uh, just about 400 Microsoft employees on there actively posting and listening. The whole company is watching. Uh, don't think for a minute that there isn't a single executive in the company who's not curious about what you have to say, that this is just five guys off on a jihad. This is something the whole company is watching. This is a place for you to tell us what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. Give us feedback. Talk to the guys who are building the products. And also help us build a better channel, like Jeff said. Very good. Cool. Listen, uh, I want to thank you guys, and uh, we'll we'll let you go, and uh, we'll give away the ticket. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. And yeah, thanks, guys. And hey, guys, th- thank you for what you guys do too. You guys are there's nothing more powerful than than a customer evangelist, and I have to say, you guys are amazing. Well, I got to tell you, nothing says thank you like a big fat check. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I need to start writing cartoons. <laughs> Rory, what, Rory, is there going to be any more cartoons? I have one in my head, actually. The The thing about the cartoons is that I'm basically working quite a bit more than full-time right now, and the cartoons typically take at least three hours to do, yeah. so it's hard to find the time. But I've had one in my head that's ready to come out, you know, and I want to get it out soon so that it, it's actually relevant. But, yeah, there are definitely cartoons in the works. So. Is there a Channel 9 spin to any of them? What would you say? Is there a Channel 9 spin to any of your cartoons coming well, up? Well, yeah, actually, I was speaking specifically. I always have, like, five or six cartoons in my head, and one of them right now is absolutely Channel 9-specific. Wow, so. can't wait to see it. Yeah. Cool, guys. Thanks again for having us. We appreciate all the love, and uh, keep you doing bet. what you're doing. You bet. We'll never stop. Cool. All right, guys. We'll see you, Techhead. All right, we'll you see bet. you there. Sweet. <laughs> Take care, guys. Bye. Yeah, see you Bye. later. Well, I've never felt more like a pimp in my life. I mean, you know, there's <laughs> we've used 12 megabits of bandwidth here, but from there's, I don't know, 130, 140 people out there now listening. And everybody wants to know who's the lucky winner of the trip to Tech Ed. And we have our computer programs have picked a winner from the at random. <laughs> the white lab coats. Yeah. Ticker and tape. Are you all ready? Um, I'll be right back. I have to go to the bathroom. Yeah, I'm not quite ready, actually. I think we should build a little bit of tension here. You know? I, I just, I got to find, hang on. This <laughs> is actually kind of entertaining. I mean, there's actually somebody out there waiting on the edge of his or her seat wondering if... There's one more chapter of Coding Slave I have to finish. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, can I, uh, can I get some uh, unscheduled technical difficulties in here now? All right. Well, enough fooling around. The moment you've all been waiting for, the winner of the trip to Tech Ed compliments of Microsoft is none other than Bill Harris from the Washington Labor Department of Labor Bravo. and Industries. Bravo. Bravo. 
Bill, congratulations on behalf of me and Rory and the crew. I would like to thank you for uh, listening to .NET Rocks today. Man, what a great show. One of the requirements, though, actually, of accepting the ticket is you have to get our names tattooed on your nipples. So. <laughs> You're insane, man. <laughs> I'm not going to listen to you. I just want to make sure people know what the uh, requirements are, okay? You know what you're getting into. All right. Anyway, see you guys later. Well, Bill, we'll uh, we'll see you at TechEd. And for everybody else, keep listening to .NET Rocks.